You're listening to the Screen Pass Podcast. Welcome to Screen Pass, the show about American football in popular culture. I'm Sheehan, and with me as always is someone who didn't see the light until he was already a man, which point it was nothing but blinding to him, Justin Barber. How you doing, man? I'm doing good, Sheehan. How you doing? I'm great. I'm very, very hot here in the UK at the moment. Nothing is built for this heat, but nothing is going to bring down my spirit because this week we are talking about Batman. Podcast. Love it. Anyone who listens to this show will know we're big Batman fans. He comes up most weeks. We talked about Batman and Zorro in our National Football League of Extraordinary Gentlemen episode. He just has a habit of coming up, and that's because we are both big Batman fans. We can't get this conversation started in any other way than the most obvious question that everyone has an opinion on. Who's your favorite Batman? That is a tough one. Um, I'll start by saying Batman is Spider-Man officially is my favorite superhero, uh, just from youth and growing up. Absolutely. But Batman is a very, very close second. Some of the comic books that Batman has are amazing. Oftentimes better written than Spider-Man lately. Uh, probably. Yeah, for sure. As far as the movies go, we've kind of been blessed with a set of really good Batman movies. I look at it like the opposite of Spider-Man. Every Spider-Man movie, I'm like, why did they do this? Like, why Why did they do that? What? Fine, he can shoot webs from his wrists, like, out of his body, and just, like, all sorts of weird stuff. We have gotten a lot of good Batman movies. I will say, to date, the Christopher Nolan Batmans are my favorite. But if we look at Batman, we're really looking at two things. We're looking at Batman as the character and in the suit, and we're looking at Bruce Wayne. I'm going to get a lot of flack for this, but I would say my favorite Batman on screen as Batman is the latest one with Robert Pattinson. It's very year one. It looks like his suit was pieced together in his basement in this new kind of bat cave that he's building. The fighting style, he get hit a lot. He crashes. He falls down. He's the first Batman to ever use stairs, which I've (laughs) noticed and found refreshing. If you look at him as Bruce Wayne, he has a lot of potential, but he's just way too emo for me, man. The floppy hair and the... It's too much. I'd like to see him get a little more refined as the tortured version of Bruce Wayne. But before we get into Bruce Wayne's, who's your favorite Batman? I'm going to start where you finished and say... I really enjoyed The Batman, the, the latest one. I did have a real issue with Pattinson's portrayal of Bruce Wayne. I think I talked about it uh, when we were talking about Zorro, that Bruce Wayne should really be the mask. And there was no idea that there was any sort of mask going on. And I think that Christian Bale does a really good job of that as Bruce Wayne in these films. He's sleeping in board meetings. He even says, in fact, in this one to Selena Kyle, that he's pretending to be Bruce Wayne. She sort of brushes it off as a joke, and he delivers it as a joke, but that's really the crux of the character. Obviously, my second favorite Bruce Wayne is the weird little kid in Joker. I think that really goes without saying. What? (laughs) (laughs) 
And our podcast is removed from all platforms. <laughs> I think there's a lot of things that go into being a good Batman. Things like gadgets, things like the car, the look. And I don't necessarily love the look of Bale's Batman. And there's going to be things that we, I'm sure we will touch on in this episode that I do like and don't like. I really like the Batmobile in the new one. Oh, I love the new Batmobile. I like the old Batmobile as well, with the, where it's the rocket and it can't go around corners, but it's sick. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this new one is a muscle car that, again, it looks like he pieced together this muscle car in the Batcave, but it's... It's just dope. When he does that little growl with it and the little stutter start. Oof. Love that. Yeah. Oh, it's incredible. I kind of think my favorite Batman, and it could be a bit controversial because he's not really, none of the films he's in are good. I really like Ben Affleck as Batman. I really like Ben Affleck as Bruce Wayne. My issue with the Affleck Bruce Wayne is that he drinks and is loaded up on painkillers. That's something that Batman doesn't use guns. He doesn't drink because he needs to be sharp all the time. But I love the opening scene, I think it is, of Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice, that stupidly named movie, where he's being Batman as Bruce Wayne. And I really like that as a concept. I like seeing that in films. I like seeing Batman as a detective. I like Bruce Wayne having to do Batman things without giving himself away. So although they're not my favorite Batman movies, in fact, I don't really care for the movies, I think Affleck might be my favorite. Ugh, I hate Ben Affleck, and I don't know why. I just hate him. When I see him, he drives me crazy. It's probably because the first times I've seen Ben Affleck, he was like the villain, like in Mallrats. Remember him in Mallrats and those Kevin yep. Smith movies. But I can see that. I His suit is kind of cool. It's the sh real short-eared Batman. It's the all black. I don't know. I just, I kind of have a problem with him. Christian Bale, I have a problem with as Batman. In the suit, I don't care for him. Yep. It's the way he delivers his lines, like his voice is, I'm not wearing hockey pants. It's breathy and it kind of has like a little bit of a lisp, nothing to lisp people, but it's just not intimidating. And he just keeps his mouth open and his tongue comes out when he talks. Ah, he's real breathy. Dude, come <laughs> on, man. I just, I, I don't like it. I don't care for it. I don't like the suit, how it covers up. It's almost the reverse of the Bane mask in that it, it has his mouth, but not his jaw. Right. And I think yes. it looks weird. And as I was re-watching this film, I was like, that's a weird fucking mask. It is. It is. It's too much. It's almost like a glory hole. <laughs> he does make a good Bruce Wayne. And to be honest with you, I'd probably have to pick him as a Bruce Wayne. I think Robert Pattinson can compete for it, though. It's in the same dialogue that we've discussed before that you mentioned earlier in here. Batman is the guy. and. Pattinson's version of Batman, or I guess really the director's version or whoever it is, is completely uninterested with Bruce Wayne. And I get that. I think that that is a good beginning and he has to learn to be Bruce Wayne. Bale is kind of already in that space, whereas opposed to Michael Keaton, who is the best <laughs> final version, I guess, of Bruce Wayne, where he's already worked it out. He knows how to be Bruce Wayne. He knows how to be Batman. The only thing holding Michael Keaton back, who to me honestly has the look and everything else, is there's just no darkness there. Like, I didn't even get the darkness when he was in the suit, so, but it's dated. They're very different films. I think Michael Keaton has the best Bruce Wayne moment, and that's, you want to get nuts? Come on, let's get nuts. Yeah, the snap. Yeah. I think that's fantastic. You ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? You know what happened to this guy, Jack? Wow. Made mistakes. 
Then he had us. Let's get nuts. Tell me something, my friend. You ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? What? I always ask that of all my prey. I just like the sound of it. I love those Batman films. I mean, the second one is the darkest and weirdest of them. I think that it's either Batman Forever or, or Batman Returns that is my favorite of those first four. And I would have to say, I think one of those two is probably my favorite Batman film. In fact, if I had to think about it for any length of time in terms of rewatchability, the Lego Batman film might be my favorite Batman film. <laughs> right on. I don't like Batman when he's too dark. And we'll get into this as we start to talk about the movie. Oh, it probably started in the comics more than anything. But really, this franchise, the Dark Knight franchise, really set it up as this dark, gritty Batman in the real world. And it forgets that there's an inherent silliness to the whole idea. I feel it takes itself too seriously. And yeah. kind of the Batman did that as well. It was certainly more serious, but for some reason it didn't feel like it took itself as seriously as the Dark Knight trilogy. I don't know if maybe you feel a bit different. The Dark Knight trilogy, there was still a lot of grandiose things that happened. I think with the new one, The Batman, it was very, very practical. You could see someone actually doing what he did. If you haven't seen The Batman, you know, there's going to be spoiler alerts throughout this, I'm sure. You know, maybe come back after you saw it. When he walks into the room in the beginning with all the detectives and the cops, you felt how ridiculous he looked and how out of place he was. And every cop was just looking at him like they wanted a piece of him. You don't get that in the Dark Knight trilogy, even though they're supposed to hate him. And it is much more grandiose in the Dark Knight trilogy. I still really like the Dark Knight trilogy. I think it is a good balance of that darkness and that outrageous. We'll get into the Dark Knight trilogy, but I think we'd be remiss not to mention three elements that I think are definitive to the Batman experience as a fan. One of those is Batman the Animated Series, which is amazing. And I think that has the silliness in there as well as the inherent bleakness of it. I like when Gotham City's a character. I like when you're reading a comic and it pulls back from the Batcave and there's the Big Penny and the Tyrannosaurus Rex and all sorts of stuff in there that's kind of always missing in the on-screen ones. Yes. And the other version of it I really like is from the Arkham series, uh, mostly Arkham City. They have that good level of silliness that it still feels dark and gritty and real. It, you still get the impression that the city is dark and dirty and a horrible world, but there is still that element of fun to it. The characters are bombastic, but he's dealing with murderers and stuff like that. They're very fun games, and I think that is probably the best on-screen depiction of Batman. The animated series is amazing. Yep. It does not get enough play. There are actually episodes of the animated series that I watched when I was younger that I still think about today. There was that one where, who was it? The Hatter put him in a fake world. He was in a dream world. And Batman, being the brilliant detective that he is, figured out that he was in a dream. And he woke up and the guy was saying, I was just giving you what you want. I just wanted you to get out of, out of the way. And I gave you everything you want. I gave you your parents back. I gave you all that. I just thought that is such a cool storyline, especially an animated series. Why? Why did you do it? You, of all people, have the gall to ask me that? You ruined my life! I was willing to give you whatever life you wanted, just to keep you out of mine! 
Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, there's at least one episode written by Bill Finger, who was basically the guy who created Batman and Bob Kane took all the credit for it. But his demand while working on that was that his name go first instead of the uh, the co-writer, which is a nice story. We might come back to that because there is a uh, Batman the Animated Series episode that features uh, football, and I'm sure we'll want to come back to it. What? So that'll be fun. One of the great all-time Batman scenes in the Batman canon is, if we're talking about the duality of Batman and Bruce Wayne, where Adam West, from the old 1966 or the 1960 series, Adam West is on the phone to himself as both Batman and Bruce Wayne. And that's a really fun scene that shows you the duality of those characters. I recommend people check out the full thing on YouTube. Batman? Yes, Mr. Wayne. Have you heard Mr. Freeze's scurrilous demands? Just briefly. If Robin and I act as go-betweens, are you prepared to make the telecast at midnight and pay the ransom, Mr. Wayne? I have no choice, Batman. Then may I suggest you tape the broadcast from the commissioner's office an hour earlier, and we will have a dummy package of money. A dummy package of money? That sounds risky. Risk is our business, Mr. Wayne. Of course, Batman, I have the same faith in you that all of Gotham City has. I hope Robin and I are deserving of that fate. That's awesome. Adam West can't be ignored. You know what I mean? That series, so many even modern things from Batman take from that series. I've heard people say that they've looked at the Joker for that. You look at Anne Hathaway in this, she looked at the actress that played Catwoman in that series. There's so much that goes from it. I mean, we all know, blam, pow, whap, and of course the... Batman completely iconic yeah absolutely and you get Chief O'Hara in there who tying back to Spider-Man is a ancestor of Miguel O'Hara Spider-Man 2099 yeah right on oh and Adam West is a very good seven degrees of separation of our podcast we do seven degrees of separation in every podcast where we link them and Adam West is probably the biggest one because he plays plays himself as the mayor in Family Guy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And he also plays the Grey Ghost in a Batman the Animated Series episode where it was the radio inspiration for a young Bruce Wayne. It's, it's full circle. I would love to revisit Batman the Animated Series. Now, we touched on The Dark Knight generally. Do you have any thoughts about the franchise, your general feelings towards it? Which one's your favorite? The second one, for sure. If we're really going to dive into it, we're going to talk about the villains and things like that. Heath Ledger as the Joker is unbelievable. And the really, the way that they structured that whole movie, I thought was really good. Even the villains, you look at the mobsters, they're all very distinct. They all have a lot of character. I think that that movie is probably, at this point, the best Batman depiction that we've had so far. I would be not allowed back in the city of Perth if I didn't. Stand up for Heath Ledger. He is one of the city's favorite sons. The main theater in Perth is named after him. I used to work with his half-sister. That's how small the, the city is. And one of my dad's friends taught him in high school. So oh wow, he is as much a part of the city as all the elements of Gotham are. I was looking through my phone today, and I hoped I had the photos. But when we went back to Perth in 2018, they had a Heath Ledger Life in Pictures exhibition on and it had all sorts of pictures and memorabilia from throughout his life. And the centerpiece of it was his Oscar that he won as the Joker, which is pretty cool as well. But next yeah. to that, and I think if I haven't talked about it in this podcast, I think I've probably talked about it on another one. They had his journal where he was writing as he got into character as the Joker. And you could see his handwriting go from very nice handwriting to more and more manic the deeper into the 
the journal you got and the more into the character you did. I was hoping I could find the pictures of it um, for our socials to give you a look. I'll keep digging, but it was super cool to see. When someone passes, everyone kind of jumps on it and says how great they were. I've always thought that Heath Ledger was a very underrated actor. He is phenomenal. And he does this form of method acting where he just throws himself into the character that he's portraying. And he did that with Joker. And some people thought, oh my gosh, because it was right around his passing. And some people thought that that even had cause of it. Yep. I mean, we found out later that it, that it didn't. But you look at him in Lords of Dogtown, for example, as opposed to his more natural state, like A Knight's Tale. It's completely different characters. If you told me it was two different people, I would absolutely believe you. He was a very, very good actor. Yeah, absolutely. We're not saying any, anything that people don't already know. I think his best role, or certainly one of my favorite roles of him, is a film called Two Hands, an Australian film. It was one of his breakout roles, if you like. And I definitely recommend people seek that out. It's a heist film. It has very young Heath Ledger, very young Rose Byrne. I thought it might have had old uh, Benny Mendelsohn as well, who's in The Dark Knight Rises. It doesn't. Absolutely go and check that. In fact, it has Brian Brown from Cocktail. Oh, right on. But yeah, that's a fantastic 90s film. So yeah, rest in peace, Heath. But I will say, I think method acting is shitting for idiots. <laughs> if you can't get into character as the Joker in the hour and a half it takes to put on your makeup, then maybe it's not the role for you. Like, don't go around sending dead rats and used condoms, Jared Leto, or doing whatever weird shit you did, Joaquin Phoenix. Personally, I think the joke is kind of overrated as this dark figurehead. I know you love it, but I think it's overdone, and I think the Dark Knight has a lot to answer for. <laughs> Heath Ledger was outstanding in that film. Well, since we're on the subject then, who I'll jump back and, and I can talk more about the Joker and why I like him, but who's your favorite villain? Batman villain. I think on screen it is Bane in this film. Nice. I love the violence of him. And again, we'll get into this. I keep saying we'll get into this. At some point, we'll, we will actually get into this. I love the violence and the menace of him. I used to really like the Riddler, but I kind of don't like what they've done within the comics as this kind of overgrown leprechaun. Yeah, I agree with that. Batman is really good with making their villains, taking a part of Batman and then turning that into a villain. And the Riddler is supposed to be the intelligent part. Yep. Batman is, he's a detective. He's supposed to be genius. And they took the Riddler and they said, now you're competing with someone that is a massive genius. And I've always liked that about the Riddler. They do get too corny with him. Jim Carrey, Jim Carrey. But I really like that version of him. <laughs> do you? Oh. I liked it at the time. I like that film. It's fun. It's got the best song from a Batman film with Kiss from a Rose. Sure, sure. I can't argue with that. For the time, fine. But really looking at the holistic stuff, I thought the new one did some interesting things. The actor itself, you know, it's, it's not my ideal, but I did like the idea and they did this, this with Bane as well of you always watch these movies when we were younger, the Adam West Batman or Batman, the animated series, there's always the Joker or the Riddler or Bane. And they always have these goons. And you're like, mm. why, why are these people following him? Who would, you can't pay someone enough to just fight Batman. But what they've started to do is transition to more like in the Riddler, you had this sub cult of people and this dark web that were like, yeah, you know, these real 
passionate, misguided people that followed him. You have the same thing in Joaquin's Phoenix Joker, where it was just like a civil war within the town, and they latched onto him as a leader. And then you see this with Bane. It's almost the religious side of this League of Shadows. They'll die for him. He can kill them, and they don't care. They still follow him. And I do like that. I really didn't like the new Joker film. I, um, I thought it was so pretentiously try-hard, three-edgy, five-me. And maybe that was the maybe that was the point of it to go look at this ridiculous kind of overblown stupidity of it all. But again, it just took itself so seriously that it was then hard to enjoy because like just walking around smelling your own farts. I didn't enjoy it. As a big Batman fan, I heard people that enjoyed it way more than I did. I did think Joaquin Phoenix did a good job. It was an interesting twist on that universe. But for for my money, I like your classic Heath Ledger style Joker. Yep. Or even better yet, in the animated series Joker. Yeah, Mark Hamill's fantastic. I liked Bane in this movie a lot. For me, being a Spider-Man fan, my favorite villain is Venom. And the reason I like Venom is because he is everything Spider-Man is, but I don't want to use the word better, but he's stronger. Venom is, Spider-Man was Peter Parker. He's a weak little nerd that got spider powers. Well, Venom is a big jacked up Eddie Brock, and he gets the same power as him. They did that with Bane in this. I'm old enough to remember when Bane broke Batman's back in the comic. Yep. And I was like, who is this guy? Like, I didn't care for Bane at all as a villain. This is the guy that's going to take out Batman. I was kind of pissed about it. But in this, Bane is trained the same way that Batman's trained by the League of Shadows. He's stronger. He's bigger. At this point, Batman's been out of commission for eight years, so Bane is sharper. So for me, I really did like the way that they portrayed Bane in this. He's basically Batman physically mirrored. I remember um, Nolan saying at the time that the idea of Bane in this one was to test Batman physically. He'd been tested mentally and had his limits pushed by the Joker, and now we wanted to test him a different way. And as you say, he's coming out of retirement, and Bane just whips him. Yeah, Bane was created specifically for Nightfall, which is the run that ends with him breaking Batman's back, that super famous cover that is mimicked in this film. And he was created specifically for that. I actually don't mind Nightfall as a comic. I enjoy Bane more in the films than he this film. He doesn't really do much in uh, 1997 Batman and Robin, but in this one, I think he's, he's fantastic. Funnily enough, created uh, by a guy called Graham Nolan. So hmm. good from the Nolans, really having a lot to do with Bane here. <laughs> I will say, just to circle back, Joker for me is easy, final answer, favorite villain. And I would say not just in Batman, he's one of my favorite villains in any kind of media. The thing that makes Joker so brilliant, we're saying that Bane is the mirror of Batman physically. Joker is kind of the mirror of Batman holistically. If Batman took the wrong path, he could have easily been the Joker. Yep. Batman had tragedy strike him. And he became obsessed with vengeance and injustice. He dresses up in a bat costume and runs out and beats the piss out of everyone he comes in contact. <laughs> well, Joker has the same thing. He had tragedy, but basically he leaned into it and allowed it to take his mind. And now he's just going out to destroy to destroy. Both are very intelligent. And in the comic books and in some of the other series, the Joker's actually very physically hard to beat. I and mean, he killed Robin. He beat him up and killed him. A death in the family. Yep. Joker is Batman just without a coat. And it's the same reason I like Moriarty that I mentioned in our um, 
League of Extraordinary Gentlemen podcast where we did the fantasy league of literary characters. Uh, Moriarty mirrors Sherlock, who I think Joker mirrors Batman. It's just a really good arch nemesis. And they do fun things with Joker as well. I really enjoyed the uh, the White Knight run where he stops being the Joker and goes back to being the Joker in order to save Gotham. A lot of fun there. I can take or leave the joke on screen. There are some really good Joker books. I don't know if I have a favorite Batman villain these days. Cornelius Sturk, he's always interesting in the comic books, but he's kind of played out now. I would love to see them take someone different and put him on screen. I think that's why I liked Rachel Ghoul. I really liked Scarecrow. So it disappoints me that in the next Batman the follow-up to the Batman, we're going to get the Joker. It's like, give me at least a new version of the Riddler or give me a different sort of the Penguin or Clock King or Jervis Tetch or Calendar Man or someone right? Uh, to, to be a little bit different. Dude, did you ever watch any of Gotham? A bit. And I say a, a bit, I mean a very, very little bit. I've, it's always something I've been meaning to get into, especially as a big Batman fan. But I started watching the first season. Maybe I got halfway through it and then I just got distracted in life and wandered into the field. Yeah, they do some interesting things with some of the iconic villains as well. And even Bane shows up in that. But um, I, I must admit I drifted in and out of it. Maybe I'll revisit it at some point. The ridiculous fish Mooney in there. And um, if you hear... A big loud slap, that's because Will Smith has shown up at my house and uh, hit me in the face for disrespecting his <laughs> wife. Now, before we get into The Dark Knight Rises, we are part of 32-Bit, as we say each and every week. So make sure you are following at 32-Bit on Twitter. That's the number 30-T-W-O-B-I-T. And on YouTube. And subscribe to Screen Pass on wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe, rate, and review. It all helps. Make sure you're following those accounts on YouTube and Twitter so you never miss an episode from us from on beat it's coming up to the football season now there is not a better resource and nobody certainly not enough people are diving into uh, the amazing content we have uh, with maddie and steezy interviewing beat reporters from around the league so no matter who you're a fan of they're going to be speaking to someone who knows your team inside out and i would absolutely recommend you listening to those and of course we have plenty of other great shows like is survive show to be named later but this week recommending you go out and check out on beat. The Dark Knight Rises, released in 2012, directed by Christopher Nolan, starring Christian Bale, Tom Hardy, Anne Hathaway, Michael Caine, Gary Oldman, and Marion Cotillard. Eight years after the Joker's reign of anarchy, Batman is forced from his exile to save Gotham from the brutal guerrilla terrorist Bane. The film doesn't quite open with this scene. I'd forgotten about the, the real opening opening, but the plane crash that introduces Bane and the stunt work. Incredible. What an opening to a movie. Really was. Um, I think they actually crashed a plane or at least part of a plane to do it. Pretty wild. It was very intense. Presses the button and releases the other one and it shows it from the bottom view. Maybe one of the best scenes in the whole movie. I absolutely think it's, if it's not number one, it's number two. It's watching it again now. I was like, wow, this is really a very impressive opening to a film. It's got Aiden Gillen in it. I sat next to him on a plane. He was a dick. Um, <laughs> not not the plane that crashed, thankfully. But as I say, it does introduce us to Bane. It gives us one of the early lines that's since become a meme. Oh, we'll expect one of us in the wreckage, brother. Yeah. What do you think yeah. of the voice? And do you do a Bane impression? Yeah, well, that's the beauty about this, is the Bane voice has become iconic in itself. Even going as far as 
the Harley Quinn series, they use that voice as joke. Yeah, it's great. I I like to do a bit of pain. Speak of the devil, and he shall appear. Time to go mobile. I loved, shortly after this came out, the episode of South Park with the Bane masks when the UPS men are taking over the town and all the husbands are worried that he's the UPS delivery men are banging their wives and they right. kidnap him and take him to a storage locker or something like that. And you get a Randy or a Jimbo or someone goes, a man's wife is his life, Mr. UPS man. <laughs> And I thought that was fantastic. And then right at the end of the episode, you get Cartman with, you should have respected my authority. I love it. You should have left our wives alone. There's a whole voiceover that the Arlnots do. If you just look at Bane outtakes, and he's obsessed with rapping and health. (laughs) And it's hilarious. You can look it up online. What did you have for breakfast? And the guy's like, uh, cream cheese and, uh, bagel and cream cheese. You know what I look at when I see you? A bagel and cream cheese. And then he, like, breaks <laughs> his neck. And then he's obsessed with <laughs> rapping, like, when he blows up the stadium, which allowed us to actually do this podcast. He starts rapping. Bane, Bane, that's my name. It's, it's really, really funny. <laughs> It's because I'm Bane. Yes, that's my name. You say it too. What's the name becomes a name? Of course, something my plan lacks gain. You say it to my face, I'll crash your plane. What do I say? No. You say survivals. No. No. What I say? No. You say survivals. You suck, Bane. Who said that? Hey. Stop the music. kill them all tremendous you mentioned the harley quinn series i love the portrayal of bane in that because he's the big mexican wrestler looking guy from the comics but he's got the bane voice yeah and he's sort of a very put upon character within that if you haven't seen the series and you like batman definitely go and check it out it is a hell of a lot of fun and there's so many celebrity cameo celebrity voices in there bane is not one of them or Arguably, he's far more famous than we are. But I, I really like that characterization within that and him getting angrier and angrier at the guy who won't spell his name right on his drink. Now I'll show you whose name is Bang. I got a Razzy Zazzy for Bang. It's Bane. You know it's Bane. I'm here every day, Todd. God damn millennial. Whatever, Bang. <laughs> so we're blowing up Todd after dinner. Don't eat so much you get lethargic, but eat enough that you don't get fainty, because I do not bring snacks. The streets will run with Razzie Zazzy. <laughs> you turned me on to that because I had never seen it, and I just looked up the Bane outtakes, and I laughed my ass off. It was hilarious. His whole thing is that he's just angry and goofy and kind of dumb. It's fantastic. It is tremendous. And I, I think Tom Hardy's very good in this. He's physically imposing. He's clearly highly intelligent. And he's kind of menacing. He he comes in and out. He's a presence when he's on screen, but he's not overbearing. Yep. I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed him more seeing it again. Yeah, Tom Hardy's great. Honestly, if we break down this cast, this has a phenomenal cast throughout the movie. Tom Hardy's another one of my favorite actors. It's funny because he's big and menacing and he's 5'9". 
But he actually had to wear lifts in the movie to be look bigger than Christian Bale. Dude is obviously jacked. And yeah, I liked his portrayal too. Despite wearing a crazy looking mask and talking through his weird mask. He was a very practical character. You were threatened by him and you saw they kind of built this like religious vibe around him. Often stands like you see a lot of quarterbacks standing with his hands tucked into his collar. Yeah, that's very cool. I think he started that. It's a cool way to stand. Peyton Manning and uh, Patrick Mahomes got that from Bane. Almost certainly. Speaking of weird voices, shout out Patrick Mahomes. (laughs) One of the other villains... Oh, we get introduced. This film is full of villains, and rightly so, I suppose. Marion Cotillard as Miranda Tate slash Talia El Ghul. Spoilers. Is that a satisfying reveal for you? I would say yes. So what I do like about that, Nolan going into this knew that he was going to have a short run trilogy. I like the fact that it ended up bringing it full circle. I like the twist that the whole time you you think you're hearing about the legend of Bane rising out of this dungeon, this prison, and then you find out it's her. I did like that misdirection. Yep. So I was satisfied with it. I thought it was cool. What did you think about it? I'm always annoyed when Talia Al Ghul shows up in a comic book. She's just really fucking annoying. Calls him detective all the time, and (laughs) I just really don't like it. I don't think she's particularly good in this, but yeah, like it makes sense. I think it's a nice reveal. He's about the age. Arash Al Ghul is about the age where we would have a daughter about this age. So I guess it kind of works. But as I say, I don't think she's particularly good. And to borrow a line from Ryan George in the pitch meeting, she looks like she forgot to die on screen and then suddenly remembers that she has to. (laughs) Yeah, I can see that. Her her whole ending death scene, that was a little bit... I expected a something a little more epic and out of Bane to be honest with you so Bane dies basically because Catwoman shoots him with the bat cycle it's the bat cycle right I think it's called the pod or something like that yeah super cool though like I love the way that back wheel moves it's not really a Batman kind of vehicle but the way his cape billows yeah it looked really good when they were doing the aerial view from the helicopter yeah pretty tight shades of the OJ chase with all the cop cars following him down the road <laughs> seven degrees we're gonna get there. <laughs> speaking of seven degrees, and I suppose speaking of Catwoman as well, uh, Shakespeare, of course, famously married to someone called Anne Hathaway. Not this one, I assume. I remember I went and saw this with my my best mate, still my best mate to this day. He had a big Catwoman thing and a big Anne Hathaway thing. This was just absolute Shangri-La for him to go and see it. That's the perfect storm. At the time, he was dating a girl who he claimed looked like Anne Hathaway. Didn't really. I'm totally on a <laughs> shout out to the whiz if you're listening. Every year I'm reminded by the fantastic Facebook memories function that my review of the movie at the time was Anne Hathaway in a cat suit. The Dark Knight wasn't the only thing that rose. <laughs> I think this is another good question that we could have. Who's your favorite Catwoman? Because again, if you look outside the Joker, Catwoman is something that's put into every single Batman, always. Which one's your favorite movie-wise? Halle Berry, easily. Really? C- certainly the best Catwoman movie, no. Uh, I really liked- <laughs> I was um... going to say, by far the one I like the least. <laughs> you got me. You got me, whatever. I don't care. I really liked Zoe Kravitz in mm-hmm. this latest one. You can't go past Michelle Pfeiffer. We're boys of the 90s. Absolutely. I will dig up this week for uh, our social media a picture of me with a woman dressed as the Michelle Pfeiffer Catwoman. You also get uh, fucking Christopher Walken in that film as well, turning her into a Catwoman. Yeah, Cat. Give me back my bird. (laughs) You're going to be the mayor of Gotham City. Penguin. (laughs) (laughs) Can't even keep going. Catwoman. Let's see if you have nine lives. 
cats can fly. I don't think that's that. <laughs> something like wow. that. Wow. Wow. Wowie wow. Who'd have thought Selena had a brain to damage? Bottom line, she tries to blackmail me. I'll drop her out a higher window. Meantime, I got better fish to fry. As you said, Batman and Catwoman are so intertwined and they end up together here. These days in the comics, she's usually part of the Bat family. She's more or less a good guy. Did you ever read the Tom King comic book run leading up to their wedding? No, I didn't. I remember when that came out, though. It's an interesting run. It's available for free at the moment on Kindle Unlimited. That includes Batman 37, which is double date where with Superman and Batman that's come up a couple of times now on the show. So definitely check that out. But that's a fun little story as well. I don't really like her in this one. Hmm. It's less convincing than maybe some of their other on-screen portrayals. I don't really like her as a foil for him. Mm. But that's not to say Anne Hathaway's not good. Now, I like Zoe Kravitz. I I like Zoe Kravitz just in general as as an actor. I think she's great, and I think she did a good job in this last one. Michelle Pfeiffer, there's something very, very iconic about her. Anne Hathaway, and I get different opinions on this. I've heard both. I've heard people that liked her in this and people that didn't. I thought she was really good. I thought that there were parts of this where she was really good. As a general character, I mean, you can give and take and give different arguments, but there's some scenes in this, like when Bruce first meets her and she's pretending to be a waitress, and then she basically realizes she's busted. She completely changes her demeanor. I bought it. It is Mr. Wayne, isn't it? Although you don't have the long nails or the the, the facial scars, sir. What would they say about me? Just the nose. It's a beautiful necklace. Reminds me of one that belonged to my mother. It can't be the same one. Because her pearls are in this safe. The manufacturer clearly explained is uncrackable. Oops. Nobody told me it was uncrackable. I'm afraid I can't let you take those. Look. You wouldn't beat up a woman any more than I would beat up a cripple. Of course, sometimes exceptions have to be made. Later, she's selling off Bruce Wayne's fingerprints to a, we find out eventually, is Bane's crew. She's kicking all their asses, just laying these guys out. And then the cops burst in the door, and she immediately crawls up and screams. And they run by, and she switches it back on, and she's a badass again. And then goes outside and does the exact same thing. Acts like a damsel in distress. And those little nuances, Anne Hathaway delivered really, really well. Yeah, I agree. I think her first couple of scenes are so good. It's a really good introduction to the character. But I feel like they knew how... It's almost like they knew where they wanted her to end up and that she needed a little bit of an arc. But it just, for some reason, it doesn't quite feel satisfying. It doesn't... I don't really understand her deeper motivations. Yeah, I get the idea of the, the clean slate, but... Why wouldn't she just leave? Worst part, worst plot point of the movie, the clean slate. That's like one negative I have to it besides Christian Bale, the Batman, is um, this clean slate business. Like, what are you talking about? So that's what that feels like. <laughs> the computer program that wipes out your whole history. I, I, what does that mean? That's so, so silly. And then it ended up existing. I, it made sense yeah. when it was, no, that doesn't exist. That's ridiculous. Oh, okay, I, I buy that. And then at the end, he's like, here it is. The clean slate. <clears throat> Swear to me. Christian Bale is not good for me. Just talking is Batman. It just sounds really phony to me. But then he does the, where's Rachel? Where is she? And then the, 
swear to me. Those are the two best lines he does through the entire trilogy. Yeah, he looks tough there. My favorite is still, I'm not wearing hockey pants. <laughs> yeah, that's um, pretty good too. The other villain in, I suppose, the first act of this until Bane breaks his fucking neck is Ben Mendo Mendelssohn as John Daggett. Are you a fan of Mendo? Honestly, he's not really an actor that I think about or rate really, but everything I've seen him in, he's been really good. He was good in this. There was a TV series that was based on, I believe it was a Stephen King book, The Outsider. He was excellent in that. He was the main guy in that. Yeah, everything I've seen him in, I've liked him. How about you? Oh, big fan of Mendo. He's um, in Rogue One as uh, Krennic. He's in Ready Player One. He's in the the MCU now as the uh, the Skrull. He's in the shit Robin Hood. I, I really like him. I think his best role. This actually won a, an Academy Award as well, an Australian film called Animal Kingdom. It's a, based on a true story of a crime family in Melbourne. In fact, fun Melbourne fact for you here. Melbourne was part founded by a guy called John Batman, and one of the original names for it was going to be Batmania. What? So, number one, that's just a missed opportunity right there. I would have gone with Batmania. Yeah. Apparently a real shit bloke, John Batman. <laughs> but yeah, if you go to Melbourne, there's Batman Tower, Batman Street. There used to be an electoral district called Batman. Little fun fact there. Definitely recommend checking out Animal Kingdom. They made a TV series of it set in California, but uh, the original is fantastic and harrowing. You get Ben Mendelsohn doing his proper... You haven't been talking to the cops, have you, mate? <laughs> Which he doesn't really delve too much into in this. He's sort of acting quite hard. Uh, just put in the clip from Auntie Donna. It's much better than my impression of him. And I would just be doing their impression of him anyway with the, Oh, good day there, Darth Vader. Uh, how you doing there, mate? You haven't been talking to the cops, have you, mate? Like, g'day there, boys. It's me, Ben Mendelsohn. <laughs> oh, g'day there, boys. What are you up to, boys? <laughs> Oh, you haven't been talking to the cops, have you, mate? <laughs> Can you do him at the start of uh, the Star Wars one? Oh, g'day there, Darth Vader. <laughs> Just build the Death Star, mate. You haven't been talking to the cops, have you, mate? You haven't been talking to the Jedi, have, have you, mate? Hey, mate, I need you to come help me build the Star Wars, mate. <laughs> g'day, Batman. <laughs> hey, Batman. What are you doing there, mate? Talking funny, but What are you doing? <laughs> so good. So good. Big fan of Mendo. I'm very glad to see that he's done something with his career, if you like. I remember watching an interview with him. He's like, oh, yeah, I remember going to see Star Wars at the movies when I was a kid. Now I'm in fucking Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, I've been talking to the cops, have you, mate? I think I like him a lot more now, to be honest with you, after just talking <laughs> to you about him. He's on the board. He has my uh, attention. <laughs> He's fantastic. I suppose the other character they introduce in this one is Jogo Lev, whatever his name is, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. JGL. John Blake. Robin John Blake. I just wrote him down as Blake the Cop. <laughs> I suspect that he was supposed to be Tim Drake and go by John Drake, and then the reveal at the end was going to be, oh, you should go by first name, Timothy. And the reveal being Tim Drake at the time, Robin. I don't even know if he was still Robin in the books at the time. I suspect he probably was. It might have been Damian Wayne, but certainly he was Robin for a long time. My favorite Robin, for what it's worth. I, I like him more than Dick Grayson or uh, Jason Todd. 
my favorite Robin too. I think that probably has a lot to do with timing and stuff. I dislike the idea of Batman having a Robin. I find it very weird. I almost find it kind of disturbing that he's raising up, especially when you have Damien, who I think is like supposed to be 10 or something like that. These boys are like 13 years old and he's like throwing them in arm's way. I get that it, I suffered and I'm going to help kids find a better way, but the idea of Robin with Batman I don't particularly like. But that said, when you're a young kid and you're reading a comic book, I love the idea of Robin. I always wanted to read Robin spinoffs because you could relate to him. Oh man, he's having trouble in school and he's going out and fighting crime. I did always like reading the Robin. Robin, I mean, he serves two purposes. And I think as this world sort of goes to darker and darker and darker, they want to get rid of Robin because Robin's too silly. I like Robin. I think Robin's important. He's been around for a long time with Batman. But as I say, he serves two purposes. The first of all is he's someone for Batman to talk to in comic books. Mm. Like, I hate thought bubbling. He needs to speak to someone and Alfred's not always around. And the second one is, as you say, he's someone for younger audiences to relate to. You know, that's why Spider-Man is so popular because he's a young person going through the trials and tribulations of, of normal people, if you will. It's hard for a, an eight-year-old boy to relate to billionaire playboy Bruce Wayne. Not when I was an eight-year-old boy. <laughs> well, for most of us. Living that life, man. Far back as I can remember. <laughs> Do you like Jogo living this? I like JGL. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I think uh, JGL is a pretty cool guy. I've always liked him, mate. What about with his weirdly deep voice that he sort of has and sounds like he's put on? He sounds like he has a bubble in his throat sometimes. It's a bit sort of Selena Gomez in um, (laughs) Only Murders in the Building. But I like him. I'm not particularly fan of this character. What you said, if it turned out to be Tim Drake, I thought Robin was a little on the nose. Yeah, because Robin's name is not Robin. No. No, they've alluded to that or just let us think that Batman's legacy is going to carry on outside of it. I don't mind the idea. He could have just said, I'm Tim Drake. And then the big fans would be like, ah, it's going to be Robin. I didn't mind him finding the Batcave at the end, passing the torch, which I thought was kind of cool. Any movie that gives you a little bit of wonderment for what the future could be is never a bad. Yeah, and I think that's really what it was. That's why I think he was supposed to be John Drake. And with the reveal being Timothy is that. Too many people, I suppose, in the testing process were like, who the fuck's that? Yeah, which I think is okay. I think movies being too on the nose, you get that a lot in comic book movies anyway. I would say Robin's more on the nose. His name being Robin, that is. No, that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a nice ending and a nice sort of link to the Nightfall storyline as well, which finished or led into Battle for the Cow, where you had Azrael, John Paul Valley, and Dick Grayson fighting over who would be Batman. Yep. Batman himself chose John Paul Valley. That's another story. So that kind of continuation of Robin becoming Batman is nice. Although it's ridiculous that he sort of shows up at Bruce Wayne's house. He's like, I know you're Batman because like I'm an orphan and I saw in your eyes that like <laughs> you're clearly Batman. And Bruce Wayne's like, yeah, I guess I am Batman. So you showed up this one day in a cool car, pretty girl on your arm. We were so excited. Bruce Wayne billionaire orphan i mean we used to make up stories about you man legends and you know the other kids that's all it was just stories but right when i saw you i knew who you really were i'd seen that look on your face before it's the same one i taught myself that's (laughs) a bit dumb but also that kind of ties into tim drake as well because tim drake's thing is that 
he's a better detective than the world's greatest detective. And he works out who Batman is. He's a fan of Batman, works out who he is, and then rocks up there and is like, so I want to be Robin. Yeah, I believe he discovers the the Batcave in the comic. I remember that comic. I remember reading those comics. But yeah, I think that that's ridiculous too. Speaking of parodies, there's, and this is Seven Degrees of Separation too, Peter Holmes. He was in an ad in our Super Bowl bracket. Peter Holmes did a commercial in there. He does this whole series called Bad Man. Have you seen that? I have not. You absolutely got to look it up. He's, he does like the Christian Bale Batman where he's like, his mouth is always open and he speaks with his tongue sticking out. It's just a bunch of clips. And one of them was where Rachel, Rachel's basically saying like, of course I know you're Batman. You said that thing to me, what we do that count. Bruce Wayne just said that to me the day before. And he's like, I met Bruce at the bank. That's why. And the commissioner Gordon comes up. He's like, of course I know you're Batman. Bruce Wayne leaves for like 10 years and then he comes back jacked and Batman's here. Of course you're Batman. But he does like a whole series of them. They're really funny. He does one with this one with Bane and he's talking to Talia Ghoul and she stabs him. It's after that scene and she reveals herself. But you had sex with me. And she, <laughs> she's like, he won't let it drop. Jesus, please stop it. Really? Talia, Al Ghul, here to finish my father's work. We totally had sex. Yes, I I know. No, like, hardcore. Three times. It was all a cruel ploy to gain your confidence. That was a cruel ploy. (laughs) Sign me up for another. It was great. When the mission is at hand, no act is off limits. I agree. Nothing was off limits. It was like an all-you-can-fuck buffet. Okay, Bruce, that's enough. Okay, let's get back on track. How was that, by the way? Are you done? I hadn't showered that day, and I fight crime in a rubber suit. Really seals in the flavor. Oh, dude, jeez. It's worth checking out. We've given people so much stuff to go out and see right now. Yeah, when we say go and check it out, once you're done listening to the podcast. And then come back and listen to our podcast again. 100%. That's exactly how this works. And now, last but not least in the regular characters in this, and this, you know, we'll try to make this the last impression of the show as well. Michael Caine as Alfred, I think he's probably the best Alfred in the series. Yeah, I agree. He's exactly what an Alfred should be. The Michael Keaton Alfred is too too old, I think. Although he was a good Alfred. The new one, they've worked into the comics that Alfred is kind of a badass now. Yep. What was he? XSAS. Yeah, that's right. But, I mean, typically, when you think of Alfred, you don't really think of that. And this guy's that perfect Alfred. That's how I envision Alfred. I quite like the Alfred in the new one, Andy Serkis. I also quite like the Alfred in Gotham. His name escapes me. Uh, Sean Pertwee. I really liked him. He's the same sort of, Master Bruce grew up in the East End of London. Like, that sort of, I'm here to look after you, Master Bruce. Whereas this one, obviously, Michael Caine's a bit older. But um, we do get really good Michael Caine in this one. We get the, I failed you. We get the... My fantasy is to go on holiday to Florence, sit in a cafe, and I see you, and you're happy. Brilliant. Which is weird that he would go there every year, the same place in Florence. Like, Florence, beautiful place. I think it's strange when people go the same holiday destination all the time and have the same holiday. I think that's an odd way to live your life. People do it, though. Oh, for sure. I mean, there are people that do it. There's people that go to Disney World every year. Look, hey, if you're one of those people, we love you. Keep listening to the show, but that's weird that is a weird way to live i always want to see something new yeah right but not not this alfred he wants to just go back and live in the same place we also get uh it's about time people stop 
trying to outsmart the truth and let it have a stay. Awesome. Best impression that we've heard so far. <laughs> and of course, oh, well, let me get them all out because otherwise- Just get them out. Just get them out. You've hung up your cape and your cow, but you've not moved on, Master Bruce. Why do we fall, Master Bruce, so we can get back up again? I did a really good one of those on Sunday. I was feeling confident about it coming into the show. I don't think I've nailed it. And I, I'm not going to bury you, Batman. I've buried too many members of your family so far. I'm not going to bury you again now. It's good. Do you do a do you do a, a Michael Caine? I do not, and I'm not even gonna attempt it, especially after uh, that. That's uh, I know uh, to stay in my lane on that one. Stay in your in your cane, and of course the the great <laughs> Michael the great Michael Caine line that everyone does over here is it's not many people know that. Only supposed to blow the bloody doors off. All right, that's them all. I promise, no more sure? impressions except okay. for Bane. Yeah, I re- I really like Michael Caine as as Alfred in this one. It does always upset me when. Alfred and Batman or Alfred and Bruce have a falling out. I always take those quite hard. Particularly when, when Batman or Bruce Wayne is a dick to Alfred. He's just trying his best. Yeah. Yeah, it's always Bruce Wayne that's the jerk. And I agree with you. I, I don't like that either because Alfred is the, you cannot ask for a better friend. Not only does he cook for you, he cleans for you. He looks out for you. All he's trying to do is help. And uh, Bruce Wayne becomes that uh, spoiled little rich kid from time and time again and hurts Alfred's feelings. If I could beat up Batman, sometimes I would, but I won't. So I'll just sit back here and shake my head in disgust. I like that he sasses him throughout the series as well. You get it in, I think it's the second one where he does the, the Lamborghini dancer. But this one, after he's left, Bruce Wayne's left the ball and he's sort of razzing him about not having picked up. That's quite fun. <laughs> yeah. We've been through all the supporting characters. And it makes sense because it's 46 minutes and 23 seconds until we see Batman in this film. And I think that is far too long. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely a slow burn on this one. And I think he's only in the suit for about 13 or so minutes. Like he's not in his own film. And I know that's kind of an ongoing complaint about Batman films. There's really not a lot of Batman up until this new one. But this is very thin on the ground Batman. Yeah, he's coming back into action, and we get a lot of Batman, obviously, for the second half, but it's very slow to build that up. And they do do a good scene. It's after the whole stock exchange, I think, is the first time we actually see him in the Batman suit. Yeah. Going after Bane. We get the reveal of the Batwing. It's this big, epic moment. And it's cool. Obviously, the more Batman, the better, one would say. Yeah, absolutely. I left wanting more Batman, which you shouldn't in a Batman. You mentioned that first scene, he shows up on the pod, the the bike, whatever you want to call it. Do you like the vehicles in this? How do you feel about this Batmobile, the Tumbler? I thought it was a practical solution. Practical, right? I mean, a comic book movie. They were trying to go for a more, this is a military vehicle. So in the first one, when they launched it, that's very cool. It's different than we've seen in any of the other movies, because the Batmobile's always been very wild. Although I really like the Adam West one. Just jumped in, in the convertible. Now, speaking of jumping into that convertible, I don't remember which casino it was, but the first time I went to Las Vegas in 2015, went on an all-you-can-drink pub crawl, or one of these ones where they take you to a bunch of bars, give you a bunch of shots. When you get there, you can pay like 20 bucks, and they'll just keep filling you glass until you're done they'll take you to the next place i'd make them regret that well i was asked to leave this casino because they had the adam west batmobile on display and i jumped into it to try and take a photo and was summarily pulled out and frog marched out of this establishment (laughs) without being able to take a photo i dropped my phone thankfully i got it back but yeah that was um it was a lot of fun then we went to ashton kutcher's nightclub not in batman (laughs) you needed me there If I was there, we would have got you in that Batmobile and got that picture. 
Who are these friends you were with? That should have been mission number one the second you walk through the door. I know exactly why uh, why my mate wasn't around, because he was trying to pick up. And there are some other interesting stories from that night. We probably don't need to go into. Nah, we're good. We're good. But <laughs> yeah, the uh, the Batmobile one is, is certainly great. I don't really like the Tumblr uh, circling back to this one. I certainly don't like the Bat, because they nailed the Batwing design in Batman 1989 where he flies up and the moon's behind him. How cool is that as a scene? So good. And you're never going to improve on that, but the bat is just ridiculous. Yeah, they're both very similar. To me, I wasn't impressed with the bat wing because it looked like the tumbler with little fans on it. Really the same. The bike was a lot different. So when they introduced that, I was like, that's cool. And the second one, yeah, I could agree with that. I think the the new Batmobile is the coolest out of all of them. Yep. And then the Adam Adam West one, for sure. And then maybe this one falls around three. So Michael Keat one is just way too long. How do you go around corners? I mean, it's impractical, but it looks so cool. It does look cool. It needs a thing to turn it around. Is it the the fourth one where he gives it the, I'll get drive through? You're not getting that through a drive through. Um, yeah. A drive through window. Yeah, the lazy Susan for his Batmobiles because he couldn't even turn it around. <laughs> Fantastic. You mentioned the scene at the stock exchange, and I think that's a nice segue into a new segment I want to call Challenge Flags. The idea here is that if there's anything egregious that stands out that we want to just bring to people's attention that we have an issue with. For example, we don't want to be throwing challenge flags at the ridiculousness of a mule being a field goal kicker in the NFL, because that's the conceit of the film. And so the ridiculousness of a man dressing as a bat and fighting crime and things like how did Batman get back into the city? You know what? He's Batman. But one of the things that really annoys me, and this is where I get frustrated because you're like, this is a dark and gritty movie and I can cop the ridiculousness of Batman and, an inherent level of ridiculousness in this world. But don't tell me this is going to be real and dark and gritty when you have shit like people rob the stock exchange. They clearly <laughs> make fraudulent trades. No one does anything about it. They're like, oh, Bruce Wayne's fucked up again. And then they immediately tow his car and switch his lights off. That's not how any of that works. <laughs> and if you are going to have this grounded real Batman, don't give me that shit because that is far more unrealistic than anything to do with a man dressed as a bat. Listen, they were they were robbing the stock exchange. Nope, sorry, your socks are sold. That's it. Sorry, Mr. Wayne. No takesies, backsies. Yeah, if people saw it. I do quite like when Bane's in there and the guy's like, there's no money here. Oh, yes. Well, then why are you here? This is a stock exchange. There's no money you can steal. Really? And why are you people here? And there's always the, time to go mobile. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool where they like jump the little ramps and stuff that's a cool scene the scene is cool but you're right it doesn't make sense that that is what brought bruce wayne to ruin and they never really resolved that either that's how the movie essentially ended he got the house i didn't care for that part no do you have anything you want to throw the challenge flag on here i do all right look the ending i get it he fakes his death he takes a bomb, a nuclear bomb, and it explodes, and he fakes his death. I get it. It was a cool ending. It looked cool. This was a four-ton nuclear fusion bomb. There is no way, number one, he could have gotten far enough that it would not have some sort of effect on Gotham. He could get it super far away, but you're still talking that there would be burns on people's skins and radiation poisoning going through the city and there's just no way that even if he fixed the autopilot and was able to get away he just couldn't get away i think 
the bomb on Hiroshima was 0.2 tons. Maybe it was 0.02 tons. You're looking at four tons of bomb there. Even if you go super far out, it would have wiped Gotham off the map. It was a technical thing. I always thought, like, there's no way he got that far enough away. I don't know. Maybe that's a bit too nerdy, but it just never sat well with me. Yeah, I mean, that last scene, I'm prepared to sort of hand wave it a little bit because Nolan loves playing around with time dilation and things being out of order. So as I say, he's fixed the autopilot. So many people are like, oh, the autopilot was broken. Which is <laughs> dumb. How did he escape? You know why? Because he's Batman. Like I'm prepared to hand wave that as he got a he got away. But yeah, you're right. Like that's a it's a big bomb. There would have been repercussions, even though it was detonated in water. Right. Yeah, water doesn't cover a bomb. Sure, it can reduce it and all that stuff, but you're still talking about a massive, massive one. For me, that was just a bit, eh. And then the autopilot thing on top of it, I found that to be a little, again, like, okay, yeah, I saw that coming because yeah. they kept talking about it. Well, yeah, it's telegraphed in the way it should be. It's Chekhov's autopilot. Yeah, exactly. Blatant foreshadowing. Oh, there's going to be a thing with the autopilot, guys. Guys, the autopilot's going to be a thing. It's going to be real important later. It's a surprise tool for later. My other real big issue with this, and again, it's nothing that people haven't pointed out before. Why are you sending every police officer in the, in the city into the sewers? And they all come out. I know they've been fed and watered down there. They all come out clean shaven, ready to fight. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know, man. Like, even if you are getting ready to come and take back your city, why are you shaving? You don't need to shave. Yeah, that was a bit of a part of that. I did like when he's like, what should we tell him? Tell him it's a training drill. Tell him it's a training drill. Because you always hear stuff like that all the time. Something crazy happens. And they're like, no, it's just a drill, guys. That's what it is. <laughs> that part, I was like, oh, yeah, that's realistic. <laughs> yeah. So that really annoyed me. And, and it sort of leads me to a general frustration with it. A lot of people get led into traps in this movie. A lot of traps being set and people falling into traps. And one of them is Catwoman leads Batman to Bane's hideout in the sewers. Yep. And that sewer fight is amazing. It's great. Oh, you think darkness is your ally? You merely adopted the dark. I was born in it. Molded by it. I didn't see the light until I was already a man. By then, it was nothing to me but blinding. <laughs> the shadows betray you because they belong to me. I'd forgotten how good it was. The sounds are so visceral. There's no music. It's Batman throwing everything at Bane and Bane just fucking taking it and then hitting back twice as hard and taunting him yep. throughout it as well. That line where he's like, oh, peace has cost you your strength. Victory has defeated you. Yeah, he's just berating him the whole time. And again, this kind of goes back to what I like about the new Batman. It was a very realistic fight. He's throwing normal punches. He's missing. He's getting hit. I mean, both of them were, too. And visually, it was great with the water pouring down and them getting knocked from different walkways. Yeah, really good fight. Really good scene. I love that Bane's got all his mates just kind of awkwardly looking on, kind of uncomfortable as well. 
Oh, for sure. And the scene where he like throws his little explosive. He has those explosions and he Those are quite the tool for the uninitiated, but I am initiated. All Batman's little tricks don't work with him. Yeah. And that's what's cool. And Bane also, from a cinematic standpoint, every time Bane stepped, you heard these loud clanks on the platform. Mm. And every time he hit, you heard these loud smacks. Whereas Batman was very quiet, which is Batman's fighting stuff. He's more sneak up on you, hit you in the head. And Bane is just tank they represented that really really well alfred even says in the footage they're looking at from the stocky stone look at that power look at that speed you cannot compete with that and it's true he fights with such ferocity and violence but it's economic he's not doing a lot of fancy shit it's just as i say primal visceral fighting and then at the end in the the final scene he fights with even more violence if you like batman busts his mask and then he goes up a level and he's just a fury of fists and feet trying to fight for survival like an animal. Ah, yes! I was wondering what would break first! Your spirit? Oh, your money! Yeah, it was done really well. I'm going to give that one to Tom Hardy. Just completely crushed it. Yep. Literally. Uh-huh. Yeah, did. The scene that obviously culminates with him breaking Batman's back over his knee, like on the cover of Nightfall, and he shifts him off to his ridiculous prison, like the world's dumbest prison. If the prisoners work together, they could easily all escape. <laughs> That's where my challenge flag should have been. And in fact, this scene, not or when he's in the prison, not this scene specifically. I mean, there's the, I'm going to punch you back into place and then you're going to be fine in a couple of weeks. One of my least favorite things in a movie is where there's chanting and the camera focuses on someone in the crowd chanting and they're not chanting in time and the blind guy does it in this. He does do that. I did notice that. It's like, you can hear them all chanting. Yeah. It's a beat. Yeah. USA, USA. And then all of a sudden panned and someone's going, USA, USA. Yeah, there's a rhythm here. You don't know how this works? It just always annoys me in a chanting scene. You got any thoughts about this dumbass prison? The back scene always bothered me too, that you mentioned. He basically just punches a vertebrae in. And then within, I don't know, a few weeks, Batman's like doing push-ups and pull-ups. It's, I don't know, it just doesn't seem very practical. If you tweak your back, you're down for a week. Like, if you break your back, come on, man. Yeah. I did, I'm going to say I did buy the hype. They use that as a tool for him to regain his fear and his drive. And I yeah. did buy into that. I got to be honest with you. I liked the fact that he couldn't do the climb twice. He smacked his head and and then he finally realizes, like, you have to face death to get out of here. I like the idea behind all that. The more you talk about the prison, it's... <laughs> It could have been done better. I get that it's a metaphor. This isn't going to be she and symbolism corner, but I get that it's a metaphor, but it's so wannabe deep. Like the guy he's in there with is like, like Aesop, like enough with the fables, man. Tell me what I have to know. The idea of being able to do the leap of faith, taking off the rope. Yep. I get that. But there's so many like, stories with morals and just pick one, Christopher Nolan, pick one moral. <laughs> yeah. Back in Gotham, we get to the point of this episode and we're now, I don't know, an hour and 20, hour and 30 into this. Yeah, it sounds about right. We finally come to the football scene. We have a game between the Gotham Rogues and, uh, appropriately enough, the Rapid City Monuments. Of course, you're in the Rapid City 
Scott Fishbowl division. Yes, I am. Drafting as we speak. They're the Gotham Rogues in the Nolanverse. Uh, they're the Gotham Knights in the comics previously. Also the Gotham Wildcats and the Gotham Goliaths. What? I thought I'd have a look at some of the, the teams from other DC cities. So you've got the Bloodhaven Brawlers, Central City Cougars, the Coast City Shark, the Metropolis Meteors, Giants, Sharks, Tigers, and Metros, hmm. the Smallville Crows and Giants, and the Star City Stags. That is a lot. What you mentioned was definitely Batman and a lot of Superman there, right? At, at least three. I think there's five for Metropolis. Yeah. DC doesn't seem to really have a cannon for their sports teams. Throw one together when they need one. But the Gotham Knights have been around for a long time. They would obviously change the Rogues for this because it is the Dark Knight trilogy, bit on the nose. I guess the Rogues Gallery, I guess being the, the play on words there. Yeah. But in the Tom King run, the Gotham Knights get a lot of play there. Quarterback Chris Campbell is a bit of a running joke. The world, the Knights traded three first round picks for this Heisman winning superstar. And he's basically a bust. And his failings are a metaphor for Bruce Wayne and Batman's struggle with life and his relationship with Catwoman. Hmm. And towards the end of the run, Chris Campbell pulls off a miracle win and, and Batman salvages relationship with Catwoman in a parallel with that. Of course, as well, there's an, another famous, say famous, comic book character who's a Gotham Knights quarterback from the year, I think it's 2025, might be even further in advance now. Uh, any ideas who that is? No. It's the time-travelling Booster Gold. Oh. A ridiculous character who I'm sure we will revisit. Nice. Booster Gold shows up in the Tom King Batman run with a wedding present, which is to take time back to before Bruce Wayne's parents got shot. It explores that world there and them then trying to undo it because obviously it goes horribly wrong because Booster Gold's an idiot. Yeah, right on. When I was making my notes for this scene, it says here it was shot at Heinz Field to match the colours of the Gotham Rogues and, of course, the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Rogues are black and yellow in homage to Batman 1989, the, the logo there. Heinz Field, as of today, has a new name. Yeah, really recently. I think they decided that over the weekend. I think it's even more recent than that. I genuinely think it might be within 24 hours of us recording this episode. Wow. To the point where, actually, peek behind the curtain, we were supposed to record this last night, and I think it was still called Heinz Field at that point. They came out that they were going to change the name, but they hadn't agreed on a name yet. I think you are right. In the past past 24 hours or so, they came out with a new name. Acrishaw Stadium. Yeah. Good, good job, Pittsburgh. Features a number. Uh, the scene features a number of Steelers players, including Heinz Ward, who returns the kickoff for a touchdown. Fantastic receiver, Heinz Ward. I'm sure he inflicted plenty of pain on your Ravens over the journey. Yeah, he's a good wide receiver. From my perspective, he was quite the jerk, but can't argue with the talent there. I remember there was a thing where they were asking Ravens players if they would pick up Steelers players, and then they were doing the reverse. Which one would you pick up? They were broken down on the side of the road, and he's like, None of them. I don't like any of them. <laughs> like, you're a jerk, dude. But the man could ball. Absolutely. Excellent wide receiver, as you say. Not much of a kickoff returner. Returned eight career kickoffs for 210 yards with the longest of 57 and no uh, return touchdowns. At the time, AB, Antonio Brown, our old mate, Mr. Big Chest himself, was uh, the Steelers' return man. Perhaps if they'd have gone for some more realism, he could have been Mr. Batman cameo. But then he probably wouldn't have listened to the script and popped his shirt off at one point, stormed off, and Nolan probably doesn't need all that headache. I'm the real fucking Batman. He puts on the suit. They're like, what are you doing, dude? Perhaps for the first time in Screen Pass history, we have consecutive episodes with a person showing up. 
in this scene. Bill Cower stands in for Mike Tomlin as coach of the Gotham Rogues. And of course, he was in our home team episode as well. That's right. Very good. A little bit of seven degrees right there. The only other thing I have to say about this scene, Bane's coat's fantastic. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's really good. And I read that the person that put it together took a really long time to do it. They wanted it to look like these pieced together parts from French Revolution and other things that were these Civil War based looks but it came together really well he looks he looks sharp he's well dressed throughout this but i think that coat is the pick of it the kid who sings the national anthem very good as bat as bane comments himself yeah and we also get fantastic delivery of the line this unsung hero <laughs> yeah. uh, when he's talking about the ordinary gotham citizen who has the uh, the button for the bomb this bomb is armed this bomb is mobile and the identity of the trigger man is a mystery for one of you holds the detonator. Now we come here not as conquerors, but as liberators to return control of this city to the people. And at the first sign of interference from the outside world, or from those people attempting to flee, this anonymous Gothamite this unsung hero will trigger the bomb. We've overlooked him a touch because I missed him out of my notes. Jim Gordon, Gary Oldman, very good in this. Clearly should have been crushed to death by the bomb in the back of the truck. Yeah. I'll also say, oh my gosh, I'm like a fan of everyone in this movie. Gary Oldman, though, is one of my favorite actors. Straight up easy. Sid and Nancy. Remember who's the bad guy in Fifth Element with that? Yep swoop over skater cut obviously Sirius Black and Harry Potter and my favorite Drexel in True Romance the pimp have you seen True Romance no oh you have to he plays this pimp with dreads and like a scar on his face and comes at Christian Slater and he's like must be white boy day oh look everybody he thinks it's white boy day he's awesome in it number one go watch that movie you gotta watch it it's is for my money probably the best romance movie made it's like a guy's romance movie i think my favorite film with him in air force one nice with harrison ford where uh, get off my plane nice and he kicks him and we'd be remiss if we didn't mention that he plays dracula in bram stoker's dracula another seven degrees of separation <laughs> Our NFL League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, we both picked Dracula. Do we both have him on defense? I had him as a safety. Yes, I think I had him at safety as well. Yeah, so there we are. Another little connection right there. This is going to get out of control. I'm going to have to start narrowing down these seven degrees because we got too many podcasts. I think so. I think so. Now we get towards the end of the film. We see, we get Killian Murphy's Scarecrow come back. He's having fun. I think it was a great way to integrate him and tie him in. Yep. This is a sentencing hearing. You're not on trial. It's very good. I loved him bantering with Gordon where he gives him a choice between death and exile. Gordon chooses death and he says, fine, death by exile. That's perfect. Sends him out onto the ice and then you get one of those tremendous scenes that everyone likes to pick apart and go, oh, why did, how did Batman get back in? And then why did he spend like four hours when there wasn't that much time doing an art project? You know why? <laughs> Batman's all about branding. Yeah, he is. He is a showman first and a vigilante second. And it's, it's powerful. He's a symbol. Anyway, I don't have any issue with that. Nope. What I do take exception with is Batman reappears in the middle of the day to fight Bane. And Bane says to him, 
You have come back to die with your city. And Batman replies, No, I came back to stop you. <laughs> Obviously. He doesn't yeah. think that you're there to <laughs> die. We know what's happening. Like, you're dressed as Batman. You don't need to quit back at him. It's not your strong suit. Just get get into the punching. Yeah, that's one of those things where he's probably like two weeks later. Oh, I wish I could take that back. You ever get insulted and then you, uh, you think of the perfect thing the next day? That had to be one of those moments. Yeah. Well, the jerk store called. They're running out of you. Well, you're their bestseller. <laughs> yeah, well, I had sex with your wife. Nice. So this film has a bunch of endings. Batman, we've already talked about. Batman beats the shit out of Bane. Then they do the bit with the bomb and blah, 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 blah. Just go and watch the movie. If you can't yeah. remember how it ends, Batman wins and uh, fakes his own death and escapes with Catwoman. We get the ending of A Very Small Funeral for Bruce Wayne with Jim Gordon doing a reading from A Tale of Two Cities. Jogo Lev is there. Michael Caine's there. That's when you get there. Oh, I failed you, Batman. I failed you. I cared for you since the first moment I heard your cries in this hall. I failed you. <laughs> we get the unveiling of the Batman statue, which is cool. That is we cool. get Robin picking up his duffel bag and finding the Batcave. And, and as I say, it ends with Michael Caine in Florence saying g'day to uh, to Bruce and we assume uh, Selena Kyle. Yep. And then Batman. It's the that's that's the wrong one. It's, you did it again. It's the wrong song. Oh. There we go. We're we're at the end of the film. Yeah. Where are you putting this in the, the draft board? Yeah, so those of you that have listened to us before, we do a draft rating for each of the show, much like the NFL draft, where we have one through seven that we could draft this or we could undraft it. I typically am pretty stingy with my drafting, but I am going to put this, I'm going to say second round, but with the caveat, it could be first. The Christopher Nolan films are a first round pick. And I will say that with confidence. If we look at them as a collection of Batman movies, I'll say that they're the first round pick because they have, an, they have a great plot. They have an amazing cast. They brought Batman into a very almost realistic zone, which most movies weren't doing. It's not like an over the top. It's realistic, but not quite there. He wraps all of them up with a nice little bow. And I'm going to say this. I am a Marvel fan. I prefer Marvel comics as a whole. I love the Marvel movies, but the Nolan Batman movies to me are better than almost all of the Marvel films, and particularly the second. I've seen all these movies multiple times, many times. I can't even tell you how many, whereas a lot of these Marvel movies I've only seen once or twice. It, yep. was a, it was a really well done set of movies. The third one is argumentatively first round. Second one is first round. First one, maybe for nostalgia purposes, would be first round. Right now, I'd probably put it at second or third. As a whole, I'm going to put these as, as a first round pick. This movie, I move into the second. What do you think? I think this is the weakest of the trilogy. I prefer Batman Begins. I prefer The Dark Knight. I might actually prefer Batman Begins to The Dark Knight. Mm. This, is a, this is a third round for me. There's a lot of dumb things to it, although insofar as nearly a two-hour podcast can just sort of give you a 
a top-down view of the movie. There's a lot of filler in this. There's a lot of meandering, a lot of side plots. Like, I think Nolan does well to stick the landing. There's no loose threads at the end of his trilogy. I think he made the movies he wanted to make, by and in large. You know, it's a, it's a good film. I'm going to say it's the third round. And the reason it's not any higher is because I'm not going to go out of my way to watch this again. Like, if I'm on a plane and this is there, and I'm like, you know what, I'll chuck it on. Mm. If it's on TV, I might sit down and watch it for half an hour. If if there's a reason for you to watch it, I'm not going to be unhappy to watch it, but I'm also not going to seek it out in the same way that I quite like watching Batman Returns once a year or Batman Forever once a year or the Lego Batman. I enjoy them and go, I actually feel like watching that. I don't think I'd feel like watching this again, mm. but it is a very good film. I, I could see that. I mean, I'm, I'm a little different on it. There are definitely times where I want to watch one of these Batman movies. And, and I go ahead and do it. That's why we have our rankings. Makes the world go round. One thing I will say that I think this has over The Dark Knight, and this is opening up a can of worms when we're sort of wrapping up the show here. I kind of like Matt Bane more than The Joker. I think Heath Ledger is amazing in it, but it kind of kicked off the trope that we saw in a bunch of movies where the villain's plan is to be caught and then it's reliant on a whole bunch of stuff he has no control over going to plan. Mm-hmm. And that really annoys me in a film. I feel like Bane is a lot more, in a sense, realistic. He has a plan. He executes it basically to perfection. But for Batman, the Joker's obviously a bit more chaotic. They're two very, they're different, but I think I prefer Bane on the whole. I think he's the best villain Mm. in the trilogy. Yeah, I respectfully disagree. They did a really good job on Bane for everything that you said. I thought Tom Hardy was great. I'm not going to rehash everything I did at at the top of the show, but... They made him a very mirrored version of Batman, and I I enjoyed that a lot. He is high on my list of just movie villains. But Ledger and the Joker, I really like the way that they portrayed him. I liked Heath Ledger's interpretation of him, and I liked the way that the Joker started to get power. He went through the mob. For me, I, I do really like that, but I understand where you're coming from. That's fair enough. And if there was one character I would have loved to see them introduce in this trilogy, that's Aunt Harriet. Now, if you have nothing else to say about The Dark Knight Rises, how about you tell the good people where they can find you? So you can find me on Twitter at Justin underscore B. Come by, see some fantasies talk, some gibberish, say hello. Or if you want to see some web and design work or need some web and design work, you can go to justin-b.com. Excellent. And now if you want to get in touch with the show, you can email us at screenyoulater at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram at screenpasspodcast. You can get in contact with me and follow me on Twitter. I'm at Sheehan Solo. And of course, you can follow 32-Bit on Twitter and YouTube, as we said, at 32-Bit. And uh, don't forget, subscribe, rate, review. Have a good time. Without further ado... We come here not as podcasters, but as liberators to attain control of entertainment to the people. Screen you later. I had sex with your wife.
Dark Knight is a brilliant film. Five stars. 